Soju Wanna Read Manhwa? Well, you came to the right place. Welcome to the fourth episode of Soju Wanna Read Manhwa, a podcast centered on Korean entertainment, mainly manhwa and their novel or drama correlations. In this episode, we'll be talking about The Remarried Empress. My name is Amber, and I'll be your host along with my friend Marion. Hello! So, Before we dive into The Remarried Empress, uh, we're going to do our second edition of catching up on some of our recent weekly reads. So, Marion, what have you been hooked on lately? Um, Actually, I went back to one of these series that I started like a year ago, and... I just I let the chapters build up because I caught up very early. Um, it's called Maybe Meant to Be. It's a rom com on on the Webtoon app, Webtoon Capital W. <laughs> and and yeah, when I first caught up, it was like a maybe like a year ago, and it was like on like chapter twenty or fifteen or something. And now it's on like or episode seventy four. And it's just it's really funny. It's cute. It's a rom com and set in like modern day, where I can just read the description. Jia Han, a 32-year-old freelancer with no work, is tired of her parents nagging her to get married and finally move out. When she runs into her childhood friend, Min Chol Jin, who is also feeling the same pressure from his parents, she blurts out that they should just get married to solve both of their problems. <laughs> Little did she know, he'd accept her suggestion, and suddenly she finds herself thrust into marriage. A story of an unexpected romance that will have you scrolling for more. And it's totally true. Um, the creator's name is uh, Honey Skein. And they say, hello, I am Honey Skane, the writer of Maybe Meant to Be. I love webcomics and dramas, especially sweet romance and comedy. I may just be a shy novice writer without social media, but I will strive to share sweet stories with you. May your future be filled with sweetness. Thank you. And then the artist is called Damcho. And they say, hello, I am Damcho, artist of Maybe Meant to Be. I'm honored to meet you through the series. Although I may also be a shy creator without any social media, as a reader who loves warm, sweet stories, I am always working hard to satisfy our readers, so we ask for your support. Thank you. And yeah, it's just a very sweet story. Um, I wouldn't call it saccharine, like, but it's it's very cute. The chemistry between Minchol and uh, it's it's very sweet. Uh, they've known each other since like pre-K, I think, and they kind of always banter. Gia is the is the more like tomboyish type, and uh, Minchol is very nerdy. But he's also like, there was a comment that Gia told him back in like middle school or whatever, where she's like, you're so nerdy and scrawny or, or whatever. You're not that manly at all. And he kind of took it to heart. And well, when he grew up, he started working out more. Uh, so his hobbies are basically just gaming and going to the gym. So there are moments where they're trying to bond and like get to know each other better. And he's just like, oh, you want to know what I'm into? Uh, sure. You want to spend the day with me? All right, let's go to the gym and then let's do leg day because leg day is very important. You can't skip that. And she's just like, uh, what? <laughs> I mean, sure, I guess. And then she's just wiped out and everything. Uh, it's, it's very cute. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's kind of also a little bit of a slow burn where they actually do fall in love. And we get to see scenes of them trying to convince their families that they really are married for like love and shit, even though... <laughs> It was more like a, like a spur of the moment thing so that they'd get off their backs, but it's cute. Eventually, when they do start flirting and stuff, uh, there's a small arc where Minchel's mom comes to visit and she stays over for like a couple nights. And this is around the time where they're actually kind of getting into each other and like they treat each other nicely and try to like flirt and stuff, but they're still awkward at it because they never really dated uh, seriously 
like before this and also they don't really have that much experience with the other gender so like i know gia has had like one or two boyfriends before but it never really went anywhere they're both virgins and like and they're both like i think 27 or 28 so being around like a similar age as me it's also fun to see because i'm getting older and i do like having (laughs) protagonists who are not in high school (laughs) I have to ask, in that that description, you said it'll leave you scrolling for more. Is that literally in the description? Yeah, it is. It is. I I love that they they embrace that. (laughs) They do, and they should, because that is literally the appeal. Especially on the Webtoon app, uh, you can go to the next chapter by just continuing to scroll, like just pick it up and go up, as opposed to, I think on Tapas, you can do that on Android, but not on the iPhone. I believe they make you swipe to the side. Whatever. Embrace the medium. We love to see it. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I, actually, I forgot to mention, this actually got promoted at Anime Expo when I went back July 4th weekend. And mm-hmm. at Webtoon's booth, Webtoon Capital W, uh, I'm never going to stop saying that now. <laughs> at their their booth in the venue, they actually had like a collab with McDonald's. And they had a bunch of characters from a bunch of their like Webtoon originals. Just like cosplaying as like mcdonald's workers and stuff but they also had uh like posters and like different series one of them i re- i recognized as minchel from maybe meant to be and i was like oh that's really cool I-, I know that series i didn't realize that it was like i guess important enough for them to to promote like that but i'm glad it is because the art is really nice it's really pretty and also something i can appreciate is that it's really colorful a lot of series that come out usually either they tend to skew like a certain direction, like either if it's like super serious, it'll be like dark and gritty or if it's a comedy, it's like it's colorful. But sometimes you'll see like a lot of pastels, but this one is is more saturated colors, I would say. And it doesn't feel it's just nice on the eyes is what I would say. It's funny that you so, mentioned that they had like a, a McDonald's crossover at Anime Expo. That just reminds me of the like the as featured in menu that they're doing right now, or at least in the past couple of weeks, because uh-huh. like there was a few different, I think it was like a couple different anime things that had popped up in that as featured thing, like the the Devils of Part Timer, I think had like a feature in that. Oh yeah, and I like I'm surprised they didn't just like list some of those mono appearances if they did a crossover that way. Yeah, that's cool. That's cute. I like that, especially because you know McDonald's has or. Most fast food chains when in other countries, they all have their own unique menus and stuff. So it's cool if they can incorporate that in their uh, international campaign. Did you get the like overall vibe that it was like well-received at Anime Expo? Um, I actually didn't get to spend that much time at the booth. But I did see like good buzz about it. Like people were, a lot of people were like commenting around like, like, oh, those designs look really nice. Uh, that guy looks really handsome <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah that's my dude because um i remember it was like a pretty decent like split between characters like some of them were i think like original english series and some of them were korean and some of them were also like guys some were girls and i think Mitchell was just like the one guy on one side or whatever and there were, i think there were two different kinds of like spreads one of them had uh Mitchell with his glasses and one of them had him in like his handsome mode where he was like dressing up for Gia. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. This is something more current. So I remember hearing some girls point out that like, 
oh, is that that guy with glasses? Is that also him without the glasses? And I'm like, yeah, it is. Do they use the phrase handsome mode in the series, or is that just a, a no, no, term? No, I made that up. <laughs> okay, okay. That would be really funny if they also used it, though. Mm-hmm. They do have, like, uh, little quips and stuff, like, like similar to that, because Gia is, like, a modern, like, a millennial, basically. But she's more, like, in the know than Minchel. Minchel was pretty, well, I wouldn't say, like, closed off, but he, he's not really on the grid like that. All right, well, cool. Is there any other series you wanted to talk about? Um, off the top of my head, not really. Okay. I've been, like, I've been pretty busy, and, like, there's stuff that I, like, I'll read and catch up, but then I haven't really had time to really think about most of them, especially, like, the ones that, I have a couple that, like, I just, I read every week, no matter what, but I haven't really had time to digest, even though some of them have been, had some really big arcs. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got two that I want to share. Um, they're both from Manta, but the mm-hmm. first one is, of course, our favorite genre, romanticy, but it's also a thriller. Um, oh. So it is Winter Wolf, written by Cheong Yong, illustrated by Soon Moo with the original story by Ruby Che. Um, so the basic summary is that noblewoman Lysithia loses her family and goes on the run as her life is threatened from a revolt and hires a broker to smuggle her out of the kingdom named Terran. Uh, a heavy winter storm traps the two of them together in an abandoned mansion with danger lurking around every corner. Uh, season one just ended about like a, a week or two ago now, but I'm definitely really interested to see where it goes from here because there was a lot of really crazy stuff that happened in that first season. Nice. Lysithia yeah. is an interesting name. It reminds me of Fire Emblem. Yeah, it's definitely unique compared to like a lot of the different names I see um, across different series. So I was I was a little intrigued. And her hair is so bright, vibrant red and long that it's very eye catching. Nice. And they make uh, Taryn's eyes like look very much like a hawk or an eagle with a bright yellow. So that's also Ooh. very vibrant. Maybe like maybe they like One Piece. <laughs> yeah, maybe it kind of is like Mihawk's eyes actually. It doesn't nice. have like the little circle, but like the color and the shape is very similar. Nice. Uh, the other one, I wanted to to mix it up a bit because I talk about romanticies so often. Um, so mm-hmm. this is a very new one that I just started reading like a week ago. Uh, it's called The Cook's Hidden Blessing. And it's written and illustrated by Nanyum with the original story by Kim Jong-ji. So it's a cooking dramedy. <laughs> and... Uh, basically, an aspiring cook at a local university hospital works with the weakened Roman goddess of agriculture, Ceres, um, in a way that his life and the lives of his patients are forever changed. Um, it's still a very new series, like I said. There's only about 20 or so episodes um, out mm-hmm. so far, so it's still ongoing and interesting as it is. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes, but it doesn't catch me quite as much as like a lot of my weekly reads, but... It is definitely very different than what I normally read for all my other series and what's usually available on Manta as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the premise sounds really unique. Just yeah. from that, I would give it a shot. And I'm not. I'm not also. Not, I'm also not averse to recommending stuff that's like pretty. I guess like young in its publication history. <laughs> like at, at a Devs panel, I brought up one that was only like 15 chapters. What I like about um, like recommending new series is just that it like. There's not as much to catch up on, so it's not as daunting to just right. give it a shot. Like, for example, the Remarried Empress that we're reading today, for somebody just walking into it, it's 145 episodes. And so they're like, oh, where do I begin? Or 
like I don't know if I'm gonna get through all that. They will, but <laughs> yeah, so you'll be hooked at episode one. It's fine, but I mean, at least like with a newer series, you can catch up really quickly if you are interested in it. You don't have to feel like it's a huge time investment. Of course, yeah. and that's also the benefit of being able to read these kind of series like at your leisure, and as as opposed to like the reason I prefer uh, reading a manga or a manhwa as opposed to like normally like watching an adaptation or whatever is because like i can read at my own pace i don't have to sit through an entire episode and dedicate like a 25 minute or one hour block of my time just to like sit through an episode yeah absolutely i know like anytime uh, we were just talking about one piece before we started today anytime i talk to anyone about one piece they not the live action but just whether it's the book or the anime they're like nope can't do it. it's too long well <laughs> 1000 maybe not <laughs> maybe it's not for me but you know if you just get through the first 20 or so episodes you'll be hooked <laughs> so. yeah what i say is that like it's it's never a race to begin with like the whole point of uh you know enjoying the journey is that like you could like what i'm saying you could read at your pace or watch at your pace like it's, no one wants you to catch up yeah. to like episode 1000 in like a week you got stuff to, or even a year to, to, yeah right <laughs> you got uh, time to enjoy it part of it is just like it's been like what like 25 years since it started and like you have time it's joining and the journey maybe, maybe if you take your time by the time you catch up it'll end you won't hate it if you like force yourself to get through so much at once you know exactly right right all right well now that uh everyone's heard a little bit more about some other interesting stories uh let's get into what we're actually here for today the remarried empress um so the remarried empress is adapted by here lee with art by sum pool and the original story is by alpha tart this series is still ongoing in season three at 145 episodes with new episodes currently releasing on webtoon on Sundays. For those who want to collect the series digitally uh, or physically volumes one through four are currently available from eyes press. And it's also available on webtoon with capital W by the original author alpha tart or sorry, also available on there is her other, or I don't know if it's a her there other series. Um, Men of the Harem, which I'm told Marion has read. I have not read it yet, but I'm very tempted to now. Oh, yeah. Like, I was, I caught up to Remarried Empress, I believe, by the end of season one? Or was it like, it might have been like at the end of season one, or like midway, or like a little bit into season two. But uh, yeah, I was like, I love the way the author is like handling this. I wonder if they got anything else. And lo and behold, they, they had another series on Webtoon. So I was like, "Ooh, the art looks nice. It's about a reverse harem. Why not? Sign me up." And then, yeah, I mean, it is. I wouldn't say more of the same because uh, the tone is a lot different. I would say this one is more serious. Uh, not that Remarried Empress isn't serious, but like, I would say there's a lot more like stakes. Uh, there's a little bit of fantasy involved, and also like danger, I guess, for uh, the political implications between the the characters. Basically, the queen or empress of this one country or this empire, she originally wasn't really meant to inherit the throne, but she kind of seized it. And there are implications to that because a lot of people didn't really think that like a, a woman is capable of ruling or whatever. And she's just like, yeah, OK, I'll shut you up. And like her policies like bring a lot of prosperity and everything. 
but everyone is just like, yeah, you're a great ruler, but if you're working all the time, uh, where are we going to get heirs to like continue the empire? And she's just like, all right, say less. I'm going to build a harem and, and then get all of these suitors come. She's like, oh, you want to send your, your sons to me to bring an heir? All right. I have like five positions to fill up. Let's let's interview them. Let's see like who's worth my time or whatever. And she does get like, I think like five or five or six. It's like five and then one more comes up later. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's, it's really entertaining. The art is also really, uh, really pretty. And yeah, I would say if you want something like Remarried Empress, you'll get more of that because there's a lot of court politics. But this one also has a little bit more bite. Uh, but it also does have like silly characters. Like one of the men in her harem is like a second prince from the neighboring empire who's like, I believe a sibling to one of her original love interests who ends up like spurning her. Uh, they don't really like get to the point of getting engaged or anything, I, I believe, to what I can remember. But he ends up like breaking off their relationship because he's trying to be like the king or emperor of where he's from. And then that's kind of what motivates her to like aim for power. And it, it's funny because I think uh, this guy's like little brother or whatever. He's just like, I'm just like second choice or whatever, whatever. And and like, he, but he goes and he ends up actually like falling for this girl. I forgot her name, but it, it, it's cute. He's like, at first he, he looks like he could be like a real, not menace, but like, he could throw like a real wrench into the Empress's plans and stuff, but we find out eventually that he's just like he's so harmless. He's just like a puppy. He just like he has he's all bark and no bite. <laughs> he just wants people to pay attention to him. It's cute. And there's also okay, spoilers, but I think it's cool. There's a vampire and like one of the characters that uh in her harem ends up being like a vampire. And I'm just like, Whoa, I was I wasn't expecting some supernatural shit like this, but it's cool. Kinda, I mean you sold me first at reverse harem, but then you added in a right. vampire, and it's the same person as remarried empress. So it's a trifecta that now I have to read. There you go. I did my job. <laughs> Way to sell it. Good job. All right. Well, for the remarried empress, um, I wanted to give just a, an overview summary before we get into the the details and how we really feel about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, perfect devoted empress Navier Trovi has been content to live out her days as the beloved empress of the Eastern Empire, until one day her husband brings home a mistress, and shortly thereafter demands a divorce. In the titular twist, Navier remarries another soon-to-be emperor and becomes empress yet again but of the Western Empire. This story is about how it all unfolds both up to the remarriage and after. So mm-hmm. Married has been hyping this series up to me for quite a while. And I wasn't really months. interested in it, like just from looking at the image and I'm like, okay, I'll read it. It's a romance. How bad could it be? And um, like, just cause the, like the cover art for the first physical volume wasn't catching me. And maybe it's just like, That's cause true. she looks so stern and unhappy. There's a reason for that. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was hooked from the first episode and got through the whole thing in two days. So <laughs> two days, two 140 days. something chapters. You're kind of wild days. for that. <laughs> well, I don't okay. think I've pulled something like that. I started it on a Friday evening, uh, like a few weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, and then Saturday, I don't know what was even going on, but I didn't want to do anything. I was just like, no, I'm going to lay in bed and I'm going to read this all day. That's all I'm doing. Figure out your own food. I'm, I don't care. <laughs> like, 
so I was, was definitely invested. But how do you feel about the series overall? I love it, honestly. It was recommended to me by Lauren Orsini, who she's an anime journalist. She writes for like ANN, um, sometimes Forbes. Uh, she has her own little uh, blog where it's called like Gumpla 101, where she talks about building Gumpla with her husband. And yeah, like I, I trust her opinions on stuff. And back when I was tweeting about getting back into Webtoons through Webtoon Capital W on the app, because I originally had picked up that app like pre-pandemic and I used it to read this one series called Your Throne, which I'm probably going to convince Amber to read that next for <laughs> our next like shoujo adjacent series or whatever, cause just because like I'm obsessed with that one. And Lauren told me like, oh, if you like that one, you might really like Remarried Empress. But uh, but yeah, so she recommended it to me and I'm like, okay, I trust your opinions. I'll check it out. And then like the next day I started chapter one and I, I think I got up to like chapter 50 or episode 50 and I was just like, damn, Lauren, you were right. This is a banger. <laughs> and I, you know, like me, I just, I really enjoy whenever they go into like these medieval European fantasy settings, uh, whenever they have like court politics, I just love that. I, I love seeing just like people dancing politically. And, like, whenever romance is involved, whether it's, like, people, like, falling for each other or leaving each other or, like, stuff coming up that just dire circumstances and shit like that. I'm just like, oh, yes, this is juicy. And it's literally just, it's, it's like a novella. And I grew up watching those a lot because I'm from a Hispanic household and, like, everyone just watches that in the evenings. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I liked it for very similar reasons. The whole court politics thing is something that I don't read a lot of, but when I do, I enjoy it just because I love seeing people at each other's throats and being secretive in a way that doesn't affect me at all. <laughs> so. Right, right, right. You're, you're just like a bystander, and then yeah. you could just like sit back with popcorn like, oh, yeah, wow, what a bitch. Like, oh, this guy is such an asshole, but I mean, he's going to get what's coming to him. <laughs> That is exactly it. Just sit there with your giant bucket of popcorn and enjoy the show. Um, and Remarried Empress is definitely, it definitely puts on a show for you. Um, I also really appreciated the, or not appreciated, but was surprised and delighted by the sudden inclusion of magic in the series. Um, I definitely yeah. wasn't expecting that, but I always love a, a fantasy twist into it. Because um, I thought it was just going to be like a straight up royal romance i didn't really read too much before i just started um so that that was a pleasant surprise i wish that they would have dived into it even more than they did but i'm still happy mm -hmm. with it oh to be romanced by a bird man <laughs> bird man named queen <laughs> god is the dynamic between um this dude what's his name Henry. yeah Henry and uh navier is is so good <laughs> especially just because this is like the one highlight of her day he's just like oh i just want to make you feel better but i'm also also like i'm a guy not a not a girl <laughs> you can't tell the uh, bird's gender off just looks or whatever it's funny well and also like it's clear because there's a huge age difference between them and he hasn't really been in any relationships he's very and he makes it very clear at one point just by outright saying it that he's very inexperienced and so when he's mm. in his like queen bird form you can see how bashful he gets about like any sort of physical touch where she's just like petting his him body language. Or, yeah he's just like free it's like freeze or just like stone uh-huh she, she puts her hands on him and he just like freezes up <laughs> yeah. it's so cute 
But of course, we love uh, Henry and Navier. I'm sure we'll get into them a lot more. But we got to talk about the other main couple in the series. Oh, yeah. The one that everybody so loves to hate. <laughs> so, so Yeshu and his mistress later turned second empress, uh, Rashta. Also known or, in the yeah. comment section as Sylvia shit or Trashta. <laughs> um, I love that. What a pair they are. <laughs> I feel like we could spend hours just talking about how horrible they are of people just yeah. existing. We could just judge them for the whole episode and we'd have enough material for like two hours. Absolutely. I mentioned it to you before. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that hasn't caught up, but the episode this past Sunday, number 145, where something happens in there but the top comment on that episode that i really appreciated was hey yo i got another chair if you need it and i i hope that whenever you guys get to that episode you appreciate that as much as i did because oh my god i would loan another chair as well I'm very excited. i so backstory for me I, I was telling amber i'm actually like i'm just one chapter short of being caught up because i ran out of coins but I don't have money right now. <laughs> I get paid on Friday, so I'm waiting for the paycheck, and then I can I can read that chapter, and I will finally understand the context. I need to know as soon as you read it. Just tell me exactly what I will, you understand. I, will. <laughs> I think I'll it's at the very part. beginning of the episode, too. So. Oh, okay. Perfect. You'll know, like, practically right away. Well, not practically, but, like, I'd say at least mm -hmm. within the first third of the episode. Okay, good. But anyways, so, so aren't you aren't you glad I told you to read with the the comment section? <laughs> yes, I so I didn't read the comments on every episode. I only read the comments on the special episode frustrating edition. That was the one that was specifically devoted to uh, Sobieshu and Rashta. I almost said Trashka. I feel like I'm just gonna start saying Trashka throughout I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> I was trying to use her name, but let's be honest, okay. she's Trashka. So. <laughs> we respect women, just not Rashta. <laughs> Every woman except for... And actually, you know, I have to admit, there was the briefest of moment, maybe like half an episode, where I actually felt bad for her. And then I, did, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, maybe she just really got taken advantage of in her situation. And Toby Eshu was just so enamored by her looks that he swept her up and she like didn't have much say in all this. That mm -hmm. was quickly subverted that yeah. like no she is a horrible human being and she deserves everything that's coming to her <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy like the way people get molded by their environment because like there there were several points honestly where i felt like it was possible to redeem rashta but then she kind of just digs her hole even deeper over time because she refuses to like accept being humbled and it, she like she takes offense, even though, like, there's a, really a reason to think that you're deserving of anything, except for the fact that just Sophie Eshu, like, showers you with affections. But then, like, we see where that got her. Like, anyone's affection can just turn on the, the drop of a hat. Yeah, there's several times where I think that maybe, you know, maybe she'll do the right thing. And then she just finds a way to either dig herself deeper or make things so much worse and often it's with the help of uh, Duke Ergi, which I'm still very confused about how he's even friends with Heinrich and what is going to happen there. But I'm sure that it'll connect eventually. Yeah. I mean, he's interesting because he gives me the vibes of like, he's the person who plays the field, like every field. Um, and just trying to like, 
make sure that he can get out of any situation like on top and like i can kind of respect that especially in a series like this where there's so many factions and you never really know who's gonna like come out on top or whatever so you just want to make sure you're just friendly enough to not be included in the fallout with whoever loses so i I respect him for that yeah he's definitely a schemer the i can just imagine him sitting at a chessboard every time i see his face kind of puzzling how to direct rashta or trashta into whatever she's gonna do or even the couple conversations he has with Navier where he makes it kind of clear that they're not on the same side. Mm. And I know, I appreciate that she's very well aware that he's not to be trusted even as Henry's friend. Yeah. And like, she does owe that to like her upbringing and the, and the fact that like, she's stayed on top of everything. I guess we should talk a little bit more about the setting or like the, the, not the back, I guess the backstories of everyone, but like Navier, she's the empress of the, the Eastern empire at the start of the series but basically she was like born and bred and like raised to like be in that position and like she took all of her studies seriously she made sure to uphold policies and make sure that the people of her empire are secure and safe and like happy and without her honestly the empire would be falling apart because Sophie Shu I wouldn't call him incompetent but he is so easily swayed by other people that like I would call him near incompetent near yeah near and common he's just i feel like okay so if he were by himself i would give him maybe a month before things fall to shit but like hey that's better than like day one i guess i mean that's kind of where the series is at at its current point is the i'd give it a month or two stage (laughs) (laughs) right 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 but um yeah basically navia runs shit she is a girl boss gatekeep uh gaslight except Instead of gaslighting, she's, I don't know, she's pumping the gas into the, the tanks that is the, the Empire. But yeah, you know what I mean? She she supports commoners. She makes sure that, like, everyone has an opportunity. There's even, like, a commoner who has, like, a talent for magic that she ends up sending to school that everyone was against. But she's just like, if we have the resources and people who are talented, why not, like, prop them up? Because they'll be useful. And it's, like, that kind of attitude that, like, I really respect. She's utilitarian in that aspect, but not to the point of, like, discarding other people. She still has compassion, which is, like, honestly, the ideal kind of ruler. Uh, Reminds me a lot, actually, of, uh, oddly enough, Reinhard von Lohengram from Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where he becomes a dictator, but, like, the whole point is that he's the good kind of dictator, (laughs) where he actually, like, helps the people and uses the fact that uh, he has like all this power in order to improve the wealth, liveliness, uh, and like the opportunities that the common people have. Yeah, the way that Navier carries herself throughout the series is always so consistently confident. Uh, other than when her life is absolutely falling to the pieces for maybe like an mm. episode, um, she is very poised and wise and knowledgeable i love the the character that you mentioned that she supports the going to the magic academy i love that Mm -hmm. she still supports her even when she's not in a normal position that she would have been to support her right like even outside of the country she finds a way to like the people that she supports like she's ride or die for them basically and that's because she has the type of education the discerning eye 
to be able to tell that like, okay, these people are going to go places, they have the potential and they're not going to skimp out on actually meeting that potential, which is, that's really hard to do, to be able to, to catch that and like nurture that. And you're right, like she's always, she's so poised, she's so regal. She is like the definition of like royalty. When you look at someone and their attitude and the way that they carry themselves, especially like when her life is like kind of emotionally falling apart, she never lets it show on her face. And admittedly, like that's the reason that Sovieshu kind of doesn't initially like her. He thinks that she's like emotionless, but also like, dude, you could just talk like a normal person and like ask her like, hey, how do you feel about such and such? Can you be a little honest with me about your feelings? And she would like readily just engage in conversation and tell you. But yeah, I don't know. Sovieshu is... He's stupid. That's, that's, that's the essence of the issue is for stupid. I like how often she just flat out would call him out on his nonsense in such a clear, oh, yeah. crystal way. So for those of you that haven't read it yet, Sophie Eshu and Navier were engaged as a marriage of convenience since the time they were children. And Navier it comes from a family where there's been, I think it was like three or four empresses in her family. So it's something that mm-hmm. is expected and raised within her family that this right. is just going to happen. I feel like Sovieshu was just kind of honestly along for the ride until he had to learn things. <laughs> um, He's but, like, oh yeah, I'm the crown prince, I guess I'll do it. Yeah, pretty much. He was there for all like the formal education, but I feel like from reading their, their backstory that Navier went through so much more rigorous training and expectations mm. for her role, whereas Sovieshu just kind of had like general this is protocol whatever um right so issue does still seem to acknowledge that there's a proper way to do certain things in several situations throughout the book or not book (laughs) series and it's clear that he he still cares about like the formalities of society and upholding a certain image to the point that he has to like turn down and uh frustrate rashta several times but he also completely throws that out the window for Rashta on several occasions as well. Like asking yep. Rashta to be a guest at several things or asking Navier to bless his demon spawn. Oh, his unborn child, which is like, okay, listeners, if you're listening and you haven't read the series, how would you feel if the guy that you married ends up taking in a mistress, but like, then props her up because he got her pregnant uh, and then asks you to like essentially baptize it while it's still unborn and then like just try to act publicly happy about it. What? How would you feel about that? Because and I know later that adopt I, it. And then later adopt it legally so that it can become the heir. I would lose my fucking shit. I would be bursting blood vessels. Like I would find like a magical gun or some shit. Like just... I can't do this. As I was reading through all of that, I just kept thinking, if Sylvia Shu didn't ask for a divorce, Navier, you just should. You just should. Just get out of there. Mm -hmm. Just go. Yeah. Even if you gotta live alone the rest of your days, and even if you're not an empress, get out of there. (laughs) Okay, so, again, readers who who have not read the, the series, how would you feel if the same man who... You just, he's incompetent. You've seen how much he doesn't care for you and is so much more willing to prop up this other girl who, on your first meeting, instead of, like, 
showing deference or like respect, she calls you sister because essentially you're like your sisters because you share the same man. And I'm just like, oh my lord. But then like, okay, this man asks to divorce you and doesn't explain that he has a plan to remarry you in a couple years or whatever. Um, because essentially what he wants is for I think his child to have legitimacy for the crown, basically. But then like he doesn't tell you. You essentially think that he's just divorcing you for real. And yeah, you just jump on it, right? You're not going to fucking care. And then you have this other handsome man from the other side of the continent or whatever wooing you. He's younger. He's hotter. He is in love. He adores you. He would like kiss the ground you walk on. He would literally kiss your feet. You would marry him, right? I would kiss the ground he walks on. So, Right, yeah. So that's what she does. She she marries him. And this man is so distraught, your ex, that he's like breaking down. He's molding. He's losing hair. And like, he's just like, but leave here. I was going to remarry you. I still love you. Except like, he's really only saying this out of jealousy because it's clear that like, he knows that Rashta is not responsible enough or talented enough to really keep his empire running. Like your your empire is falling apart after you realize that the woman you divorced was the, basically the one keeping it running. This is the kind of shit the series is about. <laughs> well, and the the part that you mentioned as far as Trashta wanting to call Navier a sister, this isn't a polygamous open monarchy. This is a mistress. You are not sister wives. Like, no, cut that out right now. Right. This is non-ethical. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted this except for Sovietia. So... Right. Jesus. Um, but I think we should also talk about the third man that absolutely is head over heels for Navier. Fan favorite for me. Uh, oh, yeah. Grand Duke. Oh, the, the. Yeah, Kaufman. He's handsome. I will give him that. He looks like he if. Um, he looks like if Enrico Pucci from uh, JoJo had like an act, uh, actual decent haircut. <laughs> He's like tall, dark, and handsome. And like, I think, was it at first sight that he falls for her? Um, he just notices like how confident she is and he's just like, Oh wow. I love that in a woman. <laughs> that is essentially what happens. Um, so in the course of Grand Duke Kaufman's story, um, he sees how Sovieshu brings Rashta into the kingdom and the way that he interacts with Navier. And he knows like from the way that the rulers in his own kingdom are, um, because Grand Duke Kaufman's from a different kingdom than Navier and Sobieshu, that they're not in love. This is, he thinks that this marriage of convenience that isn't based on any sort of love is so strange that he gifts the Empress anonymously a love potion for her birthday. And it was a potion that he made. He was the top student at the Magic Academy at one point, so it's extra potent because he's an extra good student. And... Um, he she questions the efficacy of it and he's like oh i'll test it right here i'll show you how effective it is and it uh it takes a bit of a turn he it it's a very effective potion that's that's to say the least but it turns out later that it's supposedly more potent because he already had feelings for her before he even took it but right. no matter how many antidotes this man takes throughout the series, he cannot rid himself of these feelings. And I he feel so, so bad for him. 
I feel so bad for him throughout the whole thing, but he's also adorable at the same time. But I didn't like his plotting with someone we'll get into later, um, the former empress or queen of the Western Empire, Krista. But I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah. Honestly, he's so... He has his moments where he's like, okay, you went a little too far. But like, besides that, he's really endearing. I really appreciate the fact that like he sees how underappreciated Navier is and like tells her. He's like, you know... If it were me, because I'm built different, I would treasure you. <laughs> and I really respect that. Like, uh, especially because Navier is the type of person who really needs to hear that because she's gone her whole life just working and not really getting praise for it, um, just doing what's expected of her and not expecting anything in return. Uh, which, women, if you're out there, I see you and I respect you and I love you. And I need you to know that everything you're doing is great and perfect and you're doing a great job and you're appreciated because not enough people hear that but yeah <laughs> I, I love how duke coffin is just like he's basically a simp and you know sometimes sometimes you need that in a fantasy romance i honestly think that if navier hadn't gone with Henry after or like for a remarriage that she might have at least considered going with grand duke kaufman and i feel like he would have propose to her if he thought that that option was available as well oh for sure for sure especially like if uh the divorce happened and henry wasn't in the picture he would jump he would like i do not object to this marriage uh navier would you like to come into my office oh my god i feel like even if he hadn't like remarried her he would have at least brought her home with him and they would have started something because she did seem like at least uh, humored or interested in his advances a couple times as well. Um, right. Or at least enough to entertain the thought, but not really explore it. So. Yeah, I think she could get the vibe that he's at least twice as competent or like at a level of competency that is what a Sovietshu does not have. So <laughs> she would have definitely considered it. I do like that they have a much more intellectual rapport that way. Uh, oh, that yeah. they're trying to arrange the trade. I don't know what goods it's supposed to be, but international trade between the different kingdoms that hasn't really been done yet, or if it has yeah. at a really high price. Um, so I'm. Oh, oh. wait. I'm sorry. I just remembered they're doing those negotiations now, but for the Western Empire, right? They, they so those talks completely fell through for the Eastern Empire, right? Yes, because Grand Duke Kaufman punched Sovietshu in the face. <laughs> Yes, I remember now. I was like, oh, yes, you're just desserts. Because, like, that's so satisfying, seeing that, like, the repercussions for his actions come immediately. Like, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. But see, at the same time, because of the, the incident I mentioned earlier with Krista that he's also guilty of, I think he's complicating the situation for the Western Empire as well. Um, that is true. It sounds like they're still going to move forward with it, but he did definitely make things a lot harder for both Navier and Heinrich and their social standing as a new a new couple in the kingdom or new rulers. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, at one point, do you felt you were more engaged? Was it like season one, season two, or right now? I think I was more engaged as soon as I found out that Heinrich was queen. Okay. Because yeah. 
just that one, that magic element that I was telling you about. Um, but really just seeing Navier let herself feel mm-hmm. when she's with Queen and the way that she has that normal cold exterior that people come to expect from her as like a fair and just ruler when she's yeah. with Queen and she doesn't know it's Heinrich at that point that she can just let herself go. She can cr- allow herself to cry and feel things that she feels with such mm-hmm. intensity or honesty that it's a lot, it's more refreshing to see her be herself. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of liberating seeing that. Cause um, like I said earlier, like she does, she expects nothing from anyone. No, she just does what is expected of her and seeing her express vulnerability is like, it's really cliche. Cause um, she's like the strong woman who is like super competent and everything, but she's also serious. But then, you know, that gap, between like being super serious and then when you finally get to see them express vulnerability, that's what makes it more charming. Um, it, it's cliche, but it works because like there are actual people like that. And when you come to like appreciate what those kind of people do without making like such a big show of it, you really want them to be able to like express what they want or what they feel. And you know, like, be happy. So when whenever she has those moments with Queen, it's, yeah, it's refreshing because it's something that she's desperately needed and she's getting what, she's getting to do what she had to or what she needed emotionally. Well, even more so that from her perspective, she doesn't know that Queen is Heinrich. And so mm-hmm. she can be so much more honest with a bird in her eyes than even with her own handmaids because right. her handmaids can be pressured to tell the truth whether it's by Sovietshu or maybe Rashta but other other influences can force things out of them a bird's right. not going to talk back to you it's going to squawk <laughs> so right a bird doesn't have to deal with politics exactly but yeah. i mean i liked it what what was the part that really got you hooked into it um okay so i would say like i was hooked around that time but when i felt like the most absorbed into the story was actually during like the courting process where henry was just like he's like oh i got the green light all right i'm just gonna like i'm just gonna hit on you until (laughs) you tell me to stop (laughs) and just like him flirting constantly i love that because um whenever like navier like uh welcomes it i love it because a lot of times when Harry gets like bashful or whatever, she's just like, she eggs him on and like gets closer and shit. And it's, it's really cute. I love that dynamic when the, the confident one starts getting like more nervous or whatever. And it really plays into that, that dynamic where like, Oh yeah, he's, he is younger. And like something about the idea where like the female lead is older is, uh, I don't really see it that often. And I think it's cool. Cause like, yeah, like older women need love too. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely love their witty banter and flirty banter back and forth with each other. It's yeah. it's definitely very eye catching, even just in written notes. Um, it, mm. it was an adorable yeah, yeah. thing, when like tying to Queen's ankle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny that like they send each other um, like notes, but <laughs> she doesn't realize that the bird is the one actually writing the notes. It's so funny. It is adorable. And then when, um, so Heinrich has a 
an assistant to him as well in his kingdom named McKenna. And McKenna is also from the bird brain clan um, and can turn into a blue bird. And so when McKenna gets forced to shuffle back and forth as well, that is also pretty funny because he has a very different perspective. He's not happy to just cuddle up with Navier. He's like, no, just give me the note so I can leave again. I don't want anything to do right. with this. Isn't he like married? He's like, I'm a married man. Don't do this to me. <laughs> I think so. It, it was definitely very amusing. <laughs> oh man oh let's see who else have we yet to talk to oh rashta has a secret oh my god yeah so she had a secret child outside before because actually hold on she's not only a commoner she's actually like a like a former slave a runaway slave with a a child named ian that she thought was dead but is not and actually that's the part where i felt kind of like the briefest bit like feeling bad for her is when she like didn't know that her child was actually alive that was pretty messed up um yeah but she still found a way to be horrible so god (laughs) yeah it's like she really like absorbed the worst parts of noble society as she was like trying to learn how to integrate because so the family that she was actually a slave to was this was it a baron or like a, I don't remember who. But Viscount Lotteshu. Okay, Loteshu. So basically, like, he bought her as a slave. And, like, the child, I believe, belongs to her, his son, right? The one who's, like, supposed to uh, become the heir to the Viscounty. Yeah. Alan. And so after that happens, like, uh, her pregnancy is, is like, discovered. They threaten her and like they basically assure her that like oh this child is illegitimate. There's no way in hell that we're gonna leave it alive because it'll be a threat to like our family or whatever. But then after it's born, they actually like they hide it. I think right, and then they they keep it a secret from her, and she has no idea. She goes through grief and like yeah, you know, like the rest of her life happens. And this whole thing is just like in the back burner to be kept as blackmail. And like what? I think it's even worse that they give her oh, okay. like a an actual dead child in her hand to show her that it's dead. That's <sighs> so much that. worse. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot about that. That was like I read this like a year ago. Yeah, so she actually she thought she held her dead child. Jesus, that was, that's really like that's really dark. That was an extremely dark moment, and that's why I actually like felt bad for her for an episode maybe. <laughs> unfortunately oh my god but yeah this viscount is evil basically and she rashta ends up using i don't know i would say unconsciously kind of uses him as like a role model because when it comes to securing her place in the palace after and like leading up to navier's divorce uh she basically schemes and like tries to get people on her side using like blackmail and and threats and like yeah just like all around very unpleasant things so another character that is also reoccurring that has a little bit to do with this situation as well is uh navier's brother kosair he Mm. is also pretty interesting and at times violent character uh so there's a lot of rumors that happen or that are spread about Kosair throughout the series. Some of them are true. Some of them aren't. 
but yeah, he definitely I, knows how to get information out of people. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think a lot of the rumors just have to do with like keeping their family in check because they're so influential and so they're so storied and rich and like uh, necessary for the kingdom or the, the empire that like they basically over time built a lot of enemies and people who are like jealous of them. So it's mostly a ploy to keep their family in check. Um, the brother himself is like actually like a pretty nice person, even if he's, he's violent because uh, he's kind of like, I think, isn't he like a battle addict or something? Like he, he loves like, um, he loves fighting or whatever. Uh, yeah, he, he, he goes up, he rounds up these bandits like 50 times a year or something. The bandits are like so scared of him that they like withdraw when they find out he's there now. It's so funny. But like, I like that now that Navier is in the, the Western kingdom instead of the Eastern kingdom, uh, Kosair, who's been brought there, he is like thriving in the Western kingdom. Everybody loves him. And it's such a flip mm-hmm. based off of how it was in the Eastern Kingdom for his, just his abilities and his daily life. Yeah. I, I like the fact that he follows her to the Western Empire after she gets married there. Or she gets engaged to Henry and moves. He's just like, yeah, sis, uh, you made the right choice because this guy's a piece of shit. <laughs> I feel like at and, some point, Kosair should have used the term Soviet shit because he absolutely would have honestly, embraced that. I wonder if they they use that word in Korean for the comments. <laughs> I hope they do. I hope they have some variant of that. I feel like they if have. If you're a Korean to. listener, <laughs> if you're a Korean listener, please let me know. <laughs> Give us a translation if it's actually in there. We need to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Korean's comment section must go crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, now that we're talking a little bit more about the Western Empire, um, there's another character that we haven't mentioned yet beyond very briefest moments, and that's Krista, who is the former queen of the Western Empire. Um, mm-hmm. I thought she was a uh, wasn't she Henry's brother's wife? Yes. Um, so Krista initially had like a crush on Henry when they were younger, like teenagers. Um, but then she got married off to Heinrich's brother and she just sort of ish pretended to get over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so Krista, when you first meet her, she seems really nice and like, she's not going to cause trouble, but that quickly shifts as it's a political drama. There's going to be a lot of scheming, no matter how nice you are. And that quickly evolves in Krista's case, including, the scene that I mentioned with uh, Grand Duke Kaufman, he got Krista to appear in a room and give Heinrich this like drink that he laced with his love potion in a small amount. And so Heinrich was seen laying in her lap one night. And that, of course, like he had just married Navier at that point. So let's make this a little more of a stable marriage. But no, we're going to disrupt it a little bit just so it's not a happy, perfect picture. Yeah, that was a crazy direction to go in because I thought at this point that Duke Kaufman would have just like accepted the fact that like, um, yeah, Navier chose him and like she'll do whatever is in her best interest so that she can be happy. But like, no, you know what? Time for chaos. <laughs> uh, he lets himself be kind of tempted by Krista. And like, it's disappointing, but also... I think it's I think it's really funny because it also led to a moment where he kind of just like 
completely ignores Rashta when she's at the banquet. And it just leads to her, like, melting down. He's like, why does he ignore me, but he still treats Mayfear so well? Ah." And I'm like, yes, bitch. (laughs) Like, mauled harder. (laughs) Cope. Oh I love the, the way that Heinrich just com- has complete disregard consistently for Rashta throughout the entire series. There's never really one point other than when he pretends that the his pen pal is her, that he's like friendly with her at all. Other than that very brief like episode, the rest of the time, he just wants nothing to do with her and sees her as a horrible person that's just making Navier's life worse. Yep. And he's just like... Uh, his like attitude or whatever is just like all Rash says do not interact like completely just like nope absolutely gives her the face or hand to face just talk to the hand whatever Um, but I mean I love throughout the series I think what's so compelling about Heinrich is his confidence this guy is 19 whereas Navier is like 27 or something like that he declares himself an emperor the day of his wedding and he's so confident in everything he does but he's also such a lovesick puppy for Navier and it's absolutely adorable every step of the way yeah I really appreciate the fact that like you said he's confident but also just he doesn't completely shy away from his age um yeah he feels love he's gonna go through it uh and he's gonna experience his emotions and I think that's also something that I think it's starting to rub off on Navier a bit, which I appreciate. Um, the fact that she's back to her, back on her bullshit. Um, but yeah, like allowing Navier to like experience more of her feelings and like being open about it while she's like being her hyper competent self is really nice. Especially like allowing her to banter more and like like exploring like the way that she connects with Henry because these more recent chapters. Uh, she starts thinking about like the fact that like, yeah, I know that Henry would never cheat on me because he's been so upfront and so um, there for me, like every step of the way that like, I know it was a ploy, um, but also yeah, he thought I was McKenna and said I was too heavy. So I'm going to bully him a little bit. And like, I, I love that. That was so funny. And <laughs> Henry is just like, he is so demoralized for like the next week or whatever because she's just like not really talking to him. She doesn't go to their bed chambers. She stays in her office to work and he's just like, what did I do? What did I do? He didn't realize that. I think until McKenna came into the room uh, when she left that like he's like, oh, I called her fat. Shit. I have to apologize. But she doesn't give him the light of day. It's It's so cute. It's so funny. And like it's not toxic because that kind of behavior is so easy to like misconstrue and like be playful but then come off as like completely manipulative uh but that's totally not the case here here is just them like having a little i wouldn't even call it a spat it's just kind of silly married couple shit i definitely think that they are a lot more open and honest with each other and in a more growing to love relationship especially now that navier knows that Heinrich is queen i feel like she recognized all the the things that she deemed embarrassing that she did with Queen, that she just kind of come to terms with it and realize that this is my husband now. And she really seems to have embraced it in the most recent episodes. Definitely. And I appreciate that because then, like what I was saying earlier, like 
um, that kind of like emotional vulnerability is what she really needed to, I guess, like grow more as a person because yeah, she's like, she's a grown up and she's older and she's responsible and she knows how to be an adult. But in terms of like, uh, like her capacity for being like a, like a real human, like she's not going to go through the same things as she did with Sylvia shoot because of the fact that like she is being more open about how she feels. And I think that's great. It turned out for the better that she wasn't honest with Sylvia shoot or not honest, but like she wasn't like, uh, wearing her emotions on her sleeve because he didn't deserve it anyway. Am I right, ladies? Absolutely right. And actually, yep. speaking of that, um, I think there's a, a really important scene that we need to talk about. And this is a big spoiler for anybody that doesn't want that yet. <laughs> um, so Sylvia so issue and his honesty or lack thereof is a big problem. Um, so when he goes to the high priest to demand a divorce, he has to give a list of reasons why he will divorce his empress. Oh, fuck. I forgot about this. Yes. And one of them is her supposed um, inability to bear a child. And her he, infertility. Yeah, her infertility. And so he then goes into this long story with the high priest about how when they were children, they ate these cookies. And it turns out that these cookies were laced with some sort of medieval ingredient, ingredient to cause an abortion. And uh, yeah, he's fine apparently because he bared a child, but he's convinced that because they have been trying to conceive a child for years and it never happened, that she must be infertile. Honestly, I think it could be a lot of stress because of how horrible their relationship is. I would want his child anyways. <laughs> um, but the body the, knows. Yeah, but the fact that he kept that from her, that possibility, their That's entire lives. Betrayal. Yeah, since they were children, it is a huge betrayal. And she still doesn't know. Like, that is an absolutely horrible thing. One, that those cookies even existed first. Mm -hmm. And second, that she ate them, he lied about it, and didn't tell her all these times. Oh my god, yeah. I completely forgot about that. And when it came up, I was, swear to god, I, was, I, I think that was my first comment. And I was like, there's no fucking way this piece of shit, like, did this. And I was, was like, cussing up a storm. Because I'm like, how is this character real? How is he such an evil, oh my god. There were several things building up before that scene where I'm like, okay, he can be the tiniest bit redeemable if he does X, Y, Z. But as soon as that, was that the, story that was came out, point. that was it. He's cut off. I have zero interest in him as a character existing there's, anymore yeah, beyond being a villain. Zero redemption, opportunity for redemption. Like, that was the line that was crossed that, like, there's no way. There's no turning back from that. It was the absolute, one of the worst things you could do to a person. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And the fact that she, like, she still doesn't know, right? She does not know. I mean, he like he listed infertility as a one of the reasons for the divorce, and that was read publicly out loud to a giant crowd because their divorce proceedings have to be in front of an entire church or uh, court. The yeah, courts. they have need to public witnesses. Yeah, um, which she of course publicly denies as well. But at that point, like they're just going off of they've been together for I'd say at least I mean as adults like, at least a decade yeah. or so of trying. I'm guessing. Um, that they don't really have like a whole lot to really deny that either. Right. 
So that's her public image completely changed. Yeah. But I am interested to see how that comes up again. Um, if she finds out about those cookies and that past, I feel like that's something Sylvia should is at in such a state of being demented now and like throwing everything he can at trying to get her back after he ruined Probably everything that he might so just spell like spill the whole thing and make I wouldn't it be surprised even worse. Right. Oh my god. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, um, one other thing I wanted to say is that I really liked the world building. It is smaller in this series, but that's something that I appreciate in certain fantasy series when they take the time to kind of map out the world. Um, There wasn't any real detailed maps, per se, throughout the series, but especially when they were talking about the trade, they made it more clear about how the different kingdoms and the travel times to get between these kingdoms were that it was it was an interesting world-building facet, and even just talking about trade. That's something that I get really interested in about, about in fantasy series. Yeah, I appreciate that too, especially because it feels it makes the world feel more lived in. And having, like, geographical, like, locations and, like, places of interest, like, adding, like, time to it as, a, as like, a factor to make it more believable and also more realistic, I think is cool. I don't yeah. think this series did it, but I also like it when they even like introduce their own currency system and explain it. Um, oh, that yeah, was yeah, pretty yeah. fun, but I don't think they did that quite per se in this one, or if they did, it was very briefly. Right. I don't think they talked about the currency. Yeah. All right. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on about the remarried Empress that we didn't get to other than just how awesome it is and that everyone should read it right away? Um, um off the top of my head, Honestly, not that much. I think we touched most of the, the bases. Uh, I will say that, like, again, something that I really enjoy about this series is, like, the art does a great job of showing expressions. And if, I feel like that's a staple in order to have uh, something like that in, like, a romance fantasy. Because whenever some crazy shit happens, you need to have, like, the reaction shots from everyone in the crowd. And also, uh, when it comes to, like, the fashion... I think that they did a really good job of making everything look regal, but not like over-designed. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I feel like a lot of the fashion in romance fantasy can be really tacky, but this one had a lot of, it felt more distinguished or like um, it felt fancy without like being overly gaudy for lack of a better word. With the exception of Rashta's wedding dress, but that was by her choice. Yeah, that was on purpose. <laughs> and everyone's all turned Jesus. <laughs> God. Oh, you know what's funny? When uh, <laughs> this girl, the child who went to the, the magic school academy, that Sovietshu ends up taking her into the palace for whatever reason, for like a political ploy. And everyone is assuming that that's his next mistress. And no one really knows the reason because he hasn't made it public or anything. But like, She's kind of thinking the same thing, too, and she uses that to her advantage so that when she first meets Rashta, she calls her sister the same way that Rashta did to Navir, and I'm just like, oh, that's your justice search right there. That was so funny. And actually, that reminds me, the one thing we didn't mention is the, the crisis that's happening in the kingdom, or across the kingdoms, of mages losing their powers. They haven't really got mm-hmm. into that much yet, but she is one of the student, or one of the people or mages that is losing their powers. But when Navier goes to the Western Kingdom, she mentions this and 
uh, McKenna actually brings her a amulet to restore her powers little by little. And I wonder, like, I want to know what is causing this mage crisis. Is it a certain kingdom or certain ploy? And there's just so much that's not answered about that yet. And I want to know more about that kind of, like, mage warfare that they're hinting at. Do you have any predictions you want to make, or...? I mean, they made it very clear that the Eastern Empire has a big army of mages and that mages are kind of the driving force in wars between kingdoms and empires. So I feel like it's got to be... And if the Western Empire has a way to restore magic, there has to be somebody working behind the scenes to fight mages on each side. Mm-hmm. Uh, my prediction is going to be that... Um, Oh man, what's his name? Duke Ergi. I feel like he's probably behind it somehow, or like he's involved. And it's either with the Western Empire or maybe maybe an outside force. But basically, it's to like cripple their military. Basically, yeah. I can and see that. A, a, we don't know enough about, about him like. Yet. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, it would be a perfect time to just like slap in like, oh yeah, tragic backstory because of the the Empire, and he's just like backstabbing them, and I'm just like, eh, yeah. But uh. Yeah, I feel like that the solution being like those amulets or whatever um, that the Western Empire does have access to, I feel like that might also come into play. Like maybe it's like something that was like very common, but because the Bird Brain Clan is like not so like loved or respected outside of their their side of the continent, everyone else lost access to. So it would be like karma basically for them. I feel like that's that's my from all the stories that i've read i feel like that's the direction it might go yeah i mean that makes sense to me i i'm definitely interested to see where it goes and i do think duke ergy is definitely up to more than we currently know and they've Mm -hmm. definitely got to explain what is going on with him at some point totally okay well i love this conversation we've had about the room right empress i'm really excited to keep reading it i absolutely adored it as you can tell by how quickly i read it (laughs) um that's the best feeling when, yes. I get, when I recommend to someone and they just blaze through it and they're like, oh, yeah, I love it. The yeah. satisfaction. I hope that one of these days I'll be able to recommend something to you and you'll burn through it just as quickly. Oh, I, I don't I have no doubt. It'll happen. <laughs> um, but so before we wrap up, uh, we have our rating scale. I hope that those of you who are listening have heard some of our other episodes where we talk about it. We have a three point rating scale. So it is a Bibim flop. Uh, Jajang mid or a bulgogi and unlike the boxer where I was a little iffy and turned it into steak terms instead uh, for the remarried <laughs> empress I will absolutely agree with the bulgogi for this one good I'm in the same boat this is a bulgogi this is about uh, among those like fantasy romances that I feel they've been this series I feel like has been out for a while it's something that's probably more recognized readily than maybe other series um, like, yeah, it's like 140 something chapters, but like that's including breaks in se- in between seasons. So it's been a couple of years since it's been out. And it's also like one of the first print titles that Ice Press picked up. So like, I'm sure more people are aware of it than maybe some others. So, and yeah, I feel like that's a perfectly good reason to also like pick it up for, for like being one of those first titles for print. Like it's definitely deserving. Um, this is making me think of like, should we read my gently raised beast next? Because that's also like, it's like up there too. But 
we'll, maybe we'll for that. maybe for our next romance uh, we got a couple we got a, like another month or so to think about it so. right 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 yeah uh, that's what i meant like for our next romance <laughs> i maybe. Maybe. i definitely agree that it's it's definitely getting a lot more attention as one of the first titles from eyes press and it's it seems to be getting a lot of hype like through any sort of public media and on social media that i've seen about it um mm-hmm. i hope that people really are connecting with it and if they haven't read it that they do after listening to this or and i'm sorry that we spoiled so many things for you but that is a yeah. podcast <laughs> um, that's I mean, why you listen <laughs> gives you something to look forward to so yeah that's true and oh, helps, like, I, you know I, I forgot last year new york comic-con at like the korean i forgot it's called coca it's k-o-c-c-a or whatever but they're like an organization that does like promotional activities for like korean media and they also have like um they have like investments in like manhua and like uh, bringing stuff overseas and stuff and like comics are part of it basically they, they had like a booth with like all these different korean publishers for manhua and one of the series they were promoting was actually remarried empress and i actually took a selfie with someone who was cosplaying navier as part of their like their booth or whatever and i also took a picture <laughs> of like they have like these cutouts where you can like put your face in and amongst like some of the characters and the different series they have and i i have a selfie where i'm standing next to henry and i'm like in i'm navier's face and i'm posing and i'm just like this <laughs> with the duck face <laughs> i'm actually using that for like these dating apps I'm trying to find a that's date. wonderful i would also be stealing navier's face just to be with henry uh, i uh, actually that reminds me i so i don't know if i've told you i occasionally do cosplay very amateurly but i enjoy it um that's something that i'm really excited about as manhwa gets more and more mainstream is to see these, oh, yeah. these cosplays and i think this year you might see some more solo leveling especially um oh, yeah, the with that new trailer out. that just came out um out of anaplex fest or whatever it is that's going on right now and they're doing a lot of soul leveling promotion at new york comic con this year i am really hoping that we see some interesting things in the next the next year or so at cons to pop up out of these different mono series because Definitely. we're here for it yeah i mean rayliana got animated we should get remarried empress eventually right hopefully i would hope so I, I feel like it's it's definitely worthy of an adaptation for sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in with us today. Next time we're going to read in episode five, uh, the omniscient reader, which is connected to, or at least in the same author as the world after the fall, which was put out by eyes press. Um, so I'm really mm-hmm. excited to dig into that. I don't know anything about it. I think Marion also said that he has not read any of it. So yeah. we're going to both be I think, it's, um, it. I think the, the full title is like Omniscient Reader's Viewpoint or something. But, I, uh, I added it to my got... webtoon with a capital W app last night and um, it just had the Omniscient Reader. So I wasn't 100% sure oh, okay, okay. if there is a oh, maybe, title. Maybe that's like the scan name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or I don't know. Or maybe that's like the fully translated and they just localized it as Omniscient Reader. I don't if, know. if that is the scan name, I'm sorry, author. I promise I'll give you my coins. Um, yeah, me too. I literally, I have the app open. I have to... <laughs> just, just wait until Friday, okay, when I get paid. Paydays are important. Out. It's an expensive world right now. <laughs> it is. All right, well, thank you everyone for watching. We're going to go ahead and stop it there and we'll catch you next time. 
So you can find us or reach out to us um, on social media. We have Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Pod. And you can also email us with your questions, comments, suggestions, uh, recommendations, really anything you want to say or throw at us um, at sojumwantoreadmanwa at gmail.com. Marion, is there anything else that you want to plug before we sign out? Uh, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at microwavy, the E before the V. Um, I recently put out some uh, articles on Comics Beat where this was like really overdue, but I, I put up some of my Anime Expo coverage. Um, it just took a while because of work, and then uh, my editor was also busy, so like shit happens. But like I, I had an interview with um, the people from Noir Caesar, uh, who they're like a black owned company that started uh, collaborating with Japanese companies to like create more original manga and like uh, anime and like adaptations of anime or manga that like are like black centered or black focused. Like um, they, they acquired me and the devil blues, which is by Akira Hiromoto, the guy who did prison school, which is actually, it's crazy that that's, I have to give you the description because this, cause this is like um set in like, Oh God, was it like 1960s Mississippi or some shit? And it features like a like a black jazz artist or whatever. And like, yeah, dude, like you don't really see manga about stuff like that. And this author did it. And apparently, it tanked in Japan, but like, it, at least it got like um like a couple volumes in or whatever. And like, yeah, dude, it's always cool seeing artists try to uplift other voices. So you can check that out. Uh, that interview was pretty good. It's on Comic Speed. Sounds interesting. Um, I personally don't have anything to plug today, uh, but anyone who wants to reach out to me directly other than through our social manual pod uh, channels can reach me at ARG Bombshell on just about any social platform. So, all right. Marion, any final thoughts? Are we good to head out for the day? We are good. Uh, Thanks for hosting. Thanks for being here and having me. Bye, everyone. Anytime. (laughs) Later.